Why go to all the trouble of experiencing the great outdoors for yourself when you can listen to a few Northwest Outdoor experts yap about it? This is the Three Rivers Marine Outdoor Line with Tom Nelson and Joey Pyburn on Seattle Sports. The Outdoor Line is brought to you by Yamaha, Sportco Outdoor Emporium, Duckworth Boats, Roy Robinson RV, Kitsap Marina, Bob's Heating and Air Conditioning, Ray Marine and Les Schwab Tires. Hello, good morning, and welcome to the Outdoor Line streaming live on MyNorthwest.com. Don't forget about the live video feed on 710sports.com, and of course, the venerable TheOutdoorLine.com with blogs, podcasts, and so very, very, very much more. Joey Pyburn ha- already has a report from the Ocean Opener. What? What? I mean, listen, we, we, got, we got guys all over the place. We do. We got them on the <laughs> Skagit. We got guys out there doing the Resi Coho fishery. Yep. Uh, we got people on the coast. We got people in the bay. Bubble. We got people in the bubble. So we're going to have lots of real time reports coming in here throughout the show, which is always fun. Um, Mr. Shane Palcoa on somebody else's <laughs> boat. What's going on? I don't know. He's on Duxbury's Duckworth. Huh. So we'll, we're going to get a we're going to get a description of that. Our friends, uh, the Sertic family, and Mike Sertic and, and Et Al, that is out on. Uh, Nia Bay as well. And the early word from the coast, dude, is wow. Seems like there's a it's lot of wild. shiny fish yes. swimming around out there, which is so. very cool. So, well, kind of all up and down the coast, all the way up to Sitka, Alaska, the reports are uh, lots of Chinook. I'd like to take, to take this opportunity to say happy Father's Day weekend, all you mothers out there. So uh, thanks for thanks for tuning in. We appreciate that. Grab a cup of coffee and sit around. We're going to have a little fun here for the next two hours because – Basically, um, if you haven't booked for Peregrine Lodge, you kind of blew it. it it's the, the fishing up there. This been, was this is the year to. This be was up the there. year to go. This is the year to go, and uh, you know it, we just we kind of had a disruption in the age structure of the of the ocean for a couple years there, and that we saw last year and the year before in Sitka, and it's been you know it, it's it's been tremendous uh, up and down the coast. You know our friend Joel Martin in Sitka. If you got a chance to get up there, go do that. It's going to be great, though. Even, you know, Rivers Inlet's going to have a few more fish this year, too. But um, you know, the fishing is good up there when you see when I saw Matt come skipping into the studio this morning. <laughs> He's so excited to get up there and, well, and get the rod in hand and yeah, land a nice big Chinook. The, the, not just the rod, but as George, Georgia, Husby, Georgia Husby always the says, weighted the rod. weighted rod. Ready? I hope we don't clip into a downrigger all weekend, dude. We're, we're meeting Wyman and Brock um, on, on I 5 at about 10 30, 11 o'clock. Tomorrow, and then uh, we need to be up in Vancouver Airport at 2 o'clock. We're going to leave us plenty of time. You, may, get you up meet them the on the side of the road side on I-5? Road. No, there'll be a Starbucks. Okay. There'll be a Starbucks. There, there, may, be, uh, there may be a little something-something, you know, uh, on the way up there. And like, a, What do they call those? Uh, uh, frappuccino. I want, a, I want a grande mocha frappuccino with a handful of beans in it. Okay. So, so that's, that's That'll kind of get our you, traditional. That should yes. get you to... Get up, get, to uh, over the border. Lodge. Hopefully over... No, yeah. not, it won't get me all the way to the lodge. Get over the border. Um... Meanwhile, though, tons, tons to do here. You're going to have a great weekend. You stick around here. If we talked about this, over, over, you know, before the show too, Joey, is is we got this opener in in the middle stretch of the river from the Memorial Highway up to the concrete bridge for sockeye in the Skagit, and there are sockeye in the Skagit. There and, are, and they're headed for the Baker right now. And I spent an inordinate amount of time in my twenties sitting in counting towers. For the University of Washington, for Alaska Department of Fishing Game, counting sockeyes from the Chignik Weir all the way into into um, the Nahalem River in the Iliamna system, watching these watching these things. And the way the way you count them, 
you know, if, if you build a weir in a river, then you have these gates that they go through. And it makes it really, really easy. But when you're out in a field camp, you need to place a white background down on the river. So we got this old chunk of, of, of linoleum, right? And we weighted it down in the river. So as the fish swam over it, you, yeah, you got a white you, background. Sure. You can freaking see them. And, and so, so where do you put those, right? you got to kind of guess where the travel lanes are. And after a couple of days, you know, dude, they run the bank. Yes. If the rocks are wet, they can be there. More importantly, though, just as soon as you can't see every rock down there, that's where the sockeye are running. They've got no need to go run the heavy current. They're not going to do it. So if you're standing on the bank of a river and and you look at the surface, the surface currents give you a really good clue to what's going on, in, you know, in that river with regard to current velocities, right? And also if there's a if there's a boulder, if there's a break, if there's a shelf, if there's a little, you know, in anything in the river, you can kind of after a while you you learn to read the water. So, but you look at the water at your feet when you're standing on a river, and then you see the first kind of current seam that that shows an increase in velocity. You want to be inside of that. Well, they have a long way to go, they so do. they kind of pick that softer edge water on the inside. And when I was guiding up there. Uh, you know, I'd get my folks out on the on the bar, and you you know, I you know, as a guide, you learn where these these perfect bars are, where the water is the right depth, the right speed, and those sockeye, I could see them coming from a hundred yards away, oh, yeah. and I'd be like, okay, guys, go ahead and um start fishing, and you know, clients are kind of oblivious, and we're fly fishing, right? And up there, you're kind of you're snagging them, really. Oh, sure, no, you're you lining, you're, you're lining, lining, you're lining them. them, yeah, um, which means. You're, you're casting beyond weighted, the fish. And you're casting yeah. a weighted fly line yes. with about five feet of leader to, to a floating fly. And, and you're waiting for them to kind of open, open their, mouth their mouth and breathe. And the line gets in their teeth. and. But yeah. it's so cool to see them, tra- you know, f- at the peak of the season, yeah. you're talking about 24 hours a day. Mm-hmm. Hundreds of thousands of sockeye pouring by. And, it's, and, and they're in this zone like from about a foot of water out to about two feet of water. And they're, it's about eight or ten feet of sockeye, and they're two to three deep yeah. in there. And they're, and just, they're just, tra- a, just a band. Yeah, and they're just yeah. they're moving up river. Conveyor belt of red sand. And they, they do the same thing in the Skagit. We, obviously, there's less of them, so we don't see these massive pushes. But you said it. Guys tend to fish too they, deep, they right? O- We're used to plunking for yes. Chinook or Bingo. Steelhead. And they overfish. The more you break down each individual salmon and compare and contrast the techniques, the habitat, their life history, their 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 diet, their their morphological characteristics that allow them to succeed and thrive. And how in much that of your part. life, Nelly, have oh, you spent breaking dude. down? You want to go down a rabbit hole? Let's go. I think let's, I've been, let's, let's I've go, been let, down a rabbit hole with you. Let's go down the sock. I'm going down a rabbit hole with you. Let's go down the Skagit sockeye rabbit hole just right now. It. Give me four minutes okay. to break down the recent court ruling with regard to fish passage over the three Skagit city light dams that for a century have maintained that, oh, oh, Salmon didn't go up past this river. They they can't swim past that rock. Mm-hmm. That you know, give me a freaking break, dude. It would take 
a geological team all of a day and a half to go do a core sample and find the carbon isotope that indicates ocean-borne nutrients way, in, in the, way, way up, up way up there. Okay, so so let's step away from the fossil record. Now we now that we are going to get fish passage past Gorge Diablo and Ross, nobody's advocating the removal of these dams. Sockeye are lake obligate spawners. There has to be a lake somewhere in their natal stream. Witness the Fraser River that's full of these type, this type of geography, uh, geology, right? Mm-hmm. So you've got all these lakes, Shushwap Lake, and, and just, uh, just to name a couple of them, Harrison Lake, all these ones that have little feeder streams coming in them, there's sockeyes in them, then they dump on down into, into the river. Okay. Weaver Creek on the Fraser is a spawning channel, Okay. If you took a couple of the little feeder streams into Ross Lake and and terraformed that into a spawning channel, you could turn Ross Lake into a sockeye factory, the likes of which have never been seen in in, in the Puget Sound drainage. The cool thing about sockeye fry is everything loves to eat them. Yeah. It would, including coho smolt. In fact, I, I worked on a, a research project where Dr. Greg Ruggeroni did his, did his Ph.D. work. I was, a re, I was his research assistant for two, three years up in the Chignik drainage, and he did this predation study and just showed what a rich food-based sockeye fry are in these lakes. You would, you would drive populations of resident rainbow in that lake. You would, you, you know, you would, you would have a kokanee fishery in that lake, but more importantly— you could, you dude, you you could have a run, and and of of a quarter million sockeye coming into easily. coming into Ross Lake easily, easily. 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 Those those numbers are not. Yeah. That's not that's not hyperbole at all. And if you've ever been to Alaska, when the sockeye fry are are moving down from the lakes through the river systems out, the whole everything comes alive. It does not just not just the river itself, but birds and yep. I mean it's One it's. Amazing to see. One of the least understood aspects of, of, of salmonid biology is the fact that fish beget fish. If you have a big run of humpies, for instance, which we're hoping for this year, that come up and spawn and deposit all those nutrients in the river system. And the whole valley stinks of every, rotting Everything benefits. <laughs> Your steelhead runs benefit everything. from the increased yeah. aquatic entomology, which is a fast way, of, stupid way of saying Aquatic insects, mm-hmm. right? I mean, all that stuff just gets, you know, and you'll find, you know, raccoons and bears. They'll grab these carcasses and drag them way back up in the woods. And 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 seriously, I mean, you can track this because all this carbon that's going to come up and, and, and be fertilizing all our, all our river valleys have a really peculiar, particular ocean isotope that you can, you can test for and track, right? And that's why this court order passed because Skagit City Life, understands that and that's why they caved essentially because if there was any studies done on this it was it was gonna okay so that's enough of the sockeye rabbit hole we 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 could really have something special going on here with with fish pastures on skagit today you can fish for them but also there's enough chinook in the upper skagit right now yeah yeah i mean it's obviously it's busy but they're there and guys are catching them for sure and some guys are catching a lot of them yeah like like always for sure you know 10 percent of the fishermen catch 90 percent of the (laughs) well and and the thing of it is i mean there's so many chinook coming up there a lot of guys will use moving boat techniques or drift fish from the bank and stuff like that dude i'm here to tell you you can park on them if you're patient enough yeah and 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 a couple of a couple of things you're going to do is you know use sardine wrap quickies just sit on them spinners big chunks of bait 
If you're in a boat right now, though, and you're in that middle middle section of the Skagit from the Memorial Bridge on up the on up the concrete, um, and I guess Wooly fished pretty well yesterday, mm-hmm. and you're anchored in three four feet of water, and you got your gear wake back behind you. What is what what is your gear? What's your terminal tag? Sand shrimp. Sand shrimp. Yeah. Sand shrimp. So sand uh, shrimp. So, uh, sand shrimp behind a stack of beads and a behind, a, behind a spin, behind a wing bar. Um. And so my raised bait shrimp license. Was good again on on the thirteenth of June. So you're a, you're a so shrimp digging son of a gun this week. There's sand shrimp out there for yeah. you guys. Yeah, and, there uh, is. So tons. we're happy to be back uh, catching catching shrimps. All right, uh, like I said, we are off to Peregrine Lodge in the morning with uh, with Brock Heward, Dave Wyman. You're going to probably be sick of us hearing that when we get back, but I'm but I'm happy to make you sick of it. Um, we, Nick Scafteron, fishthehighlife.com. You got the Nia Bay and La Push opener this week. You got Westport in Iwaco next week. Nick's going to walk us through that. And and Westport halibut has really woken up. It, it, it That fishery is off to a slow start. He's going to walk us through that. Uh, Brianna Bruce, Living Life Adventures. She's on the um, she's on the, uh, the Resident Coho the, program. The this Resident morning. Coho Beach. She's she's going to handle that for us and probably talk a little bit more Skagit sockeye. Unless you're sick of that particular topic right now. The minute you eat a Skagit sockeye, you'll understand why we're talking about them, though, because they're absolutely phenomenal. And then, okay, check it out. Vortex Optics came out with a blog this week, which should be a cattle prod of motivation for you to get off your you get, get off your, 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 your derriere, right? 90 days, gang, till, till hunting season starts. Yeah. So, so what are some of the things you need to start thinking about, right? You know, we we've got three aspects that you need you need to talk about, okay, and you need to think about. And Mark's going to run through and really really shortly. Number one's fitness, okay. Mm-hmm. Number two, shooting. I don't care what your weapon choice is, you got to drill with that thing, right? But also, you got to do kit drills, okay. And by kit drills, I, I mean especially if if you're a modern firearm hunter like 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 we are. Vortex Optics has made, let's say sniper technology available to us with the cartridges that we have these days, the PRCs, the 6.8 Westerns, long, flat shooting cartridges that people can only understand through practice, through range finding, and then the Light Hunter Tactical Vortex scopes that allow you to dial so there's no holdover. There's no guesswork. Yeah. You you know, because you know the ballistics of that. And so now with this new handheld range finder, the Razer H the Razer HD four thousand GB that Bluetooths to your phone. You already have you have the Vortex app on your phone. You have the ballist, ballistics entered in the app. You as soon as you range something, it sends it to your phone. You've got the number of clicks that you're going to raise your turret to to shoot. Flat it's on. it's changed the game. It has for sure. I mean, you you know, but you don't unless you drill on this. You don't take that stuff out open and day and think, okay, well, I'm just going to do this and I'm going. You need to practice. You need to learn yes. your kit, absolutely, okay? and that's and that's yep. what one of the things that Boardman's going to talk to us about. So hopefully we're going to get him in studio too. Okay, we need to talk a little bit about Lapush, with a little bit about Nia Bay. We got a whole lot, whole lot coming right at you. Give us ninety seconds. Load up that text toy eight six six nine seven nine three seven seven six. That is uh, also the Reverse Chine Hotline brought to you by Wellcraft Duckworth eight six six nine seven nine three seven seven six. Powered by Yamaha Outboards. Give us ninety seconds. We're going to be right back here in the Outdoor Line Seattle Sports Station seven ten Seattle Sports app. From the shining shores of Puget Sound to your radio, this is the Outdoor Line on Seattle Sports Station. 
Welcome back to the Outdoor Line. That's Joey Pyburn, Matt Nelson running the board, who is going to be on a helicopter tomorrow and digging it. Just, just your favorite trip of the year, possibly. I'm getting a nod. Nods don't really translate too well on radio, but if, <laughs> they don't. They, if they don't. They, that doesn't really help. Uh, but in, in in the meantime, we've we have had uh, you know some tremendous reports from the coast, and and of course. June 17th, Father's Day weekend, is just a red-letter day to anybody that has even a passing interest in, in, in salmon fishing on the coast. And, and the cool thing about Nia Bay in particular is, you know, you, you, you look at the general migration route of these, of these Chinook, and they're work, working their way down the coast. And so, you know, they get their growth in, the, in, the, in the, um, the Gulf of Alaska current gyre, and they work their way down the coast. They bump into Vancouver Island. Then they bump into Cape Flattery. And not just the fish that are headed down the coast. Exactly. All of our Puget Sound all fish, all, you know, it's kind of where the, it's the meeting point. It is. And they all meet up there and they mingle for a little bit. And then they go, okay, I, I got to head for the Columbia and I got to head down the coast. And you guys got to head for the Puget Sound. And you get a crack at all of those stocks right Bingo. there. Bingo. And so, you know, salmonid migration patterns are, are such that they will move in a direction until something geologic redirects them. So they run them. into something. <laughs> and in this case, the most prominent feature, on, on one of the most prominent features, I'll say, on the entire Pacific coast is obviously Cape Flattery. And and, 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 the, and the structure out there and, and the bait-holding territory. And, you know, there's there's been a bunch of bait close to shore. But the challenge— A bunch of bait. A bunch of bait. And, and, our, and, and, and so— One thing we're not short on here in Puget Sound or on the coast this year is bait. Every, every fishery I've been on, and, and I've had all these friends out fishing, moving all over the, the coast, the inner Puget Sound, I get pictures of massive amounts of bait and i was on the water yesterday with with our friend captain nick kester and dude the bait on jeff head yeah. is 150 feet of bait it's from kind the of the same thing that you see in, about 150 feet it, in 300 feet it, of water it's kind of the same thing we see off of apple cove point too oh, dude, right it's, it's it's there's something about that central puget sound deal that holds just a massive load of krill right and and then there's bait fish that are feeding on the krill, and, and it's always there. Yeah, but it's so deep. If if you go in there with your typical Chinook game plan, well, I'm going to get underneath this bait. No, no, you're not. No, you're not. But I, and I, what what I saw yesterday, obviously, we were fishing for resident coho, so we're fishing in, in the you know no deeper than sixty feet, yeah. really in that thirty five to forty five foot range. And then you go down to that 150-foot mark, and that is the top of the bait. Bingo. And there's 150 feet of bait to the bottom at 300 feet. And what was I What was I seeing on right on top of that bait? Did Nikki ask you why you had 400 feet yeah, down I know. there? I, hey, Nikki. Yeah. Here, here's a question that no charter captain that's fishing the Resident Coho program wants to hear. Yeah. Hey, Nick, how much, how much wire you got on this downrigger? Yeah, yeah. Hey, I just ran out of wire, I think. Um, but yeah, d- trust me, I, I was, I was keeping my eye on the screen and, and watching to see how many Chinook are out there. And, and we know because of the area 11 fishery and what was, and, and the, the area 13 fishery also, there's just a lot of Chinook around. Yeah, there is. Yeah. Big arches, those big fat Chinook sit right above that bait and they just cruise. And it's like, uh, it's like. Hanging out at the McDonald's parking oh, lot dude. and waiting for your next feeding. Yeah. Anytime you need a burger, you just swim down and grab it. Um, so I, I'm excited for to see what happens on the coast first. Uh, all indications are 
it's going to be a wide open Chinook bite out there. I'm also kind of excited to see how many pinks they guys are encountering. We Dude, know there are probably a bunch of them. You actually, you actually saw a pink with your own eyes yesterday. Yeah. Yep. Yep. We we released one. Uh, Nikki caught another three. He had an afternoon trip. Got another three that they kicked back. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, that's pink salmon in June. Yeah. That's scary. That's scary because I'm telling you, dude, wild fish populations, these, they, they, there's been no hatchery integration with regard to the, with the gene makeup of, of, of these pinks. And so they, they have wildly diverse run timings. And, and, and it's, it's going to be interesting because yeah. I, I honestly think that 4 million number, they, they are so volatile in, 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 in their population swings. It could be eight. Sure. It right? could be, yeah. Yeah. There's no question about it. it just it, it's all about, you know, the out migrant survival. And they're talking about a few less fish here and there because we did have a crappy uh, out migrant water condition year when they, you know, or excuse me, a, a spawning condition. I think there there could have been some egg losses. There always is, but but we remain. To be, it remains to be seen. It's going to be interesting to see what happens. It's going to be a great summer. But here's the deal: you got Nia Bay and Lapush opening today. You have Westport and Iwako next Saturday. Yes. Then the following Saturday is July 1st, and you got areas 5 and 6 opening for Chinook, and you got the crab opener around here. Yeah, I mean, we're standing on the cusp of some really cool stuff. It's always, you know, obviously my favorite time of year to do the show because, you know, things are really starting to pop. You've you've been able to peek under the Christmas tree with regard to all the salmon forecasts, and now you're watching all this work manifest yeah right and and so it's it's the time of year when i wish we had maybe well one more hour to talk just because there's so much to cover and it's so exciting and you and i get so spun up over this stuff but yeah yeah no i love it there we go all right uh pop out of a quick break we come back Uh, go check out livinglifeadventures.com that's a website of brianna bruce and uh is she on your your aforementioned uh marine area 10 is she, oh, doing, yeah. is she doing the oh, yeah. I, I, I was talking to her at four o'clock this morning. Oh, that's okay. Brianna yeah. is a gamer, dude. This <laughs> this girl fishes for everything that swims in in Washington State. What's the over and under on what she's got in the box right now? Is there is there is there a resident coho in the in the box right now? Yeah, there okay. is. All right. Yep. You, you heard it here first. Brianna Bruce, Living Life Adventures, joining us next year in the outdoor line. Seattle Sports Station Seven Ten, Seattle Sports App. Welcome to the BOMAC Tech Line. BOMAC has all the gear for all your techniques, and SMI shellfish gear is simply the best. BOMAC, we catch big fish. Speaking of BOMAC, join Bob Buchanan, BOMAC, Joseph Pibernicus, and myself at the Harbor Marine Crabbing Clinic. That's Tuesday, June 27, 6 p.m. at Harbor Marine. We're going to run through the whole drill, gang. The outdoor line crew is going to be on hand to run you through every aspect of the Puget Sound Dungeness fishery from catching, cleaning, cooking. We're going to cover the proper ropes, floats, the advantages of different styles of crab pots. And most importantly, it's not just the dropping of the pot overboard, you see. It's the recovery of the pot, right? And it's make- kind of the most important part <laughs> of yeah, catching crab is... You need to be able to recover your pot. It's this, got, it needs to be there when you get back. That'd be good. Yeah. If it was in the same place, that'd yeah. be really, really good. Also, we got a couple tricks you can do to your floats to make them kind of stand out from the red and white hordes. Speaking of hordes, there's hordes of coho salmon in Central Puget Sound right now and working those those unsuspecting fish overs, none other than Brianna Bruce, livinglifeadventures.com. Good morning, Bree. Morning, Bree. What's Good going? Morning. What's going on out there? I, you know, I was out yesterday with uh, with Captain Nick Kester doing a little deckhand work for him. Uh, that was my first trip out for the Resi Coho Fishery. Um, it's pretty cool, and and 
there must be, I don't know how many of those things are out there. There must be thousands of them because, you know, we're back to the dock, I think, by 9 o'clock with our limit. What's what's shaking out there this morning? Well, you know, have you ever had one of those days? <laughs> we are currently at the boat launch. We just put the boat in the water, so we haven't gotten to start fishing yet this morning. Okay. It's one of those days where, you know, everything just doesn't quite line up in the morning, but it's a family day, so no big deal. We're, you know, no stress, and we're about to head out, but... Man, yeah, there's a ton of these fish out here, and they're fun. Honestly, if I was going to eat a salmon, these are the ones, these are the first ones I reach for when I put them on the barbecue. Yeah, you know, we got back to the dock, and, and Nikki was cutting those fish up, and they are, they look like sockeye, right? They're just so, so red, and they're full of krill right now. That's what they're feeding on, um, and anything that eats krill, obviously delicious. Uh, so what? So what's the program this morning? You're going to go out... And are you going to go out and fish Jeff Head? Yep, we're going to go out and head over to Jeff Head. We've got a big uh, outgoing tide this morning, and that big point there at Jeff Head will collect a lot of bait as that tide moves out. Mm -hmm. So we're going to start over there and see if we can find some good bait and see if we can find a bunch of fish over there. And you're going to run spoons, squid, bait? What's, What's the program this morning? I love spoons. If I can fish spoons, I do. So we've got some spoon rods set up and i've actually got a couple of the new hawking uh the spin dogs and the cut plugs yep uh we're gonna try some of those and see what works but i've got my whole box of spoons so that's kind of what i go back on we uh it, it kind so of what's, the last minute so we downsize and give us the spoon size leader length and hook size because i know you're you're probably not fishing anything stock what give us a trick or two so uh i'm running i like the two and a half and the three inch spoons uh, running anywhere from like a 36 to 38 inch leader. Every once in a while, I'll go shorter. Uh, I also like running the eight inch flashers for the residents. They're not a big fish, so it's a lot more fun that you don't need the big flasher, and it's a lot more fun to have a little less drag with the eight inch flasher. See, I, I, uh, love, I love that program. Yeah, I, I yeah. absolutely love because again, you could even you could even lighten up your rod size. You could even lighten up. Your, uh, your release tension, if you want to go down that rabbit hole as well. Because if you give these fish a fighting chance, doggone it. You know, they, I mean, well, they're, they're, dude, they're still coho. They're, they're still scrappy. Coho. Yeah. They're scrappy for sure. Um, and I, I, and yeah, if, if you're going to go out there and target these things, I would recommend downsizing all your gear. It's going to be way more fun. And then, you know, I noticed yesterday, Nikki, uh, his leader, you know, was probably, I'm going to guess it was 15 or something. Do you downsize your leader? Also, yeah, I usually I'll run uh, usually twenty. Okay, but um, I'll every once in a while I'll go down to fifteen. Usually I'm running like twenty for these guys. I just you know like that little extra action too. Uh, and anything I like white for them. Uh, you know that white lightning is great, and that's kind of the color I usually go to. Cookies and cream, that kind of stuff. Uh, but I'll even run my kokanee rods out here for them. You know, if you've got a little heavier kokanee rod, I dropper fish for kokanee a lot. So I've got a little bit heavier kokanee rods, and they're so much fun on these resident coho. I'll even go and uh, take the flasher off. And if you've got a good, you know, like you've got a good cut plug or something that has a lot of action and a lot of color and flash, these fish will hit that without the flasher on it, and it's so much fun. Yeah, that changes the game completely. It, it really does. And, you know, you could even go to a remote flasher situation, yes, too. Yes, absolutely. Just, you could hang an 11-inch flasher off your ball. 
if, if you're doing that, that lends itself to a cup plug presentation, but also a small spoon presentation. Bree, I think if you bend that spoon a little bit and just give it Get kind of more action. Little, yeah, no, no question. Yeah. But but you also mentioned a Hawken product, a cut plug Hawken product. That seems like an absolute great piece of gear. I think we've seen those. Yeah, David Hawkins and 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 also another. We're, we're big fans of, of the David Hawkins magnetic release, the Simon release. You know, for yes. ele- for eleven inch flashers, that's something else that's very interesting in this coho fishery. Yeah, that will help a lot. You know, if you can get a fish and get that flasher off, you know, released so it's not creating so much drag anything you can do these fish are you know they're a smaller fish they're like an average probably five pound fish but if you can get away from some of that stuff that adds a lot of drag it's a lot of fun you get into some of that lighter gear and yeah it's a blast and there's a ton of fish out here they're usually pretty easy pickings once you can find some bait or you find some good schools of fish they're pretty easy to find and catch and you know you get on some action it's kind of like kokanee fishing in the salt water like it's not a big deal if you lose one because you're about to get another one or two or three yeah. or you know doubles yeah. i mean when you get on them you, you kind of get on them and they are you know they're active little feeders so they're you know they're they're willing to jump on and play so what what else you got going bria you're everywhere i mean you're you're in the salt water you're mm-hmm. on all the rivers you're on the east side lakes what do you got coming up what are some of your next fisheries you're going to be targeting so my next fishery is going to be, I'm going to spend like a week or two down on the um, Columbia out of Kalama mm-hmm. for catch and release sturgeon. That's a fishery I really love. Uh, Bruce Warren showed that to me and it's just so much fun. We average like 28 to 30 fish to the boat a day. Jeez. And, you know, we get everything from like a little, you know, 20 incher to a six footer and everything in between. And it's that same thing, constant action. It's so much fun. We're, it's an anchor fishery, so it's a little more relaxed, and everyone's hanging out and having a good time and reeling in a bunch of fish. So I'm really looking forward to that. And when does that when does that get going for you? Uh, I will be down there the end of this week, actually. Nice. And uh, I'll do that at least through the end of the month and maybe into the beginning of July until I roll over into Sockeye. And depending on how the run goes there, I'll be doing some of the uh, like Upper Columbia for Sockeye, and then just bide my time until Baker Lake opens, and I'll be spending <laughs> as much time as I possibly can on Baker Lake. All right. Well, when that thing gets rolling, we're, we're super interested to hear more about the, the Skagit River Sockeye fishery as well, which opened yesterday. And, Bree, you and I talked about that just a little bit yesterday. But, you know, what we're hearing is the potential for – a sockeye run to come in over the forecast, which which is which, would be which is huge. It's because the, the issue with the management of the of the Baker Lake sockeye is if we get a fork if we get a run that underperforms the forecast, then they get they get netted out in the bay to the point where we often really struggle to make a statement. And Bree, I think you commented that they've, there's already been a few sockeye transferred up into Baker Lake. Is that true? Yes. Yep. Uh, they even have it on the WDFW website for the Baker um, transfer, the counts. Uh, I think it's at 15 now. Uh, I had a little rumor inside information that they had been transferring some fish this week. So they're starting to show up. And, you know, the last two years we've had that really high water and it's kept those fish out and from going into the trap, which has led us to have a late season for Baker to open yeah. or, you know, to actually be fishable. So it's looking really good this year if we're already getting fish. And, 
you know, we've got most of our snow melts gone and hopefully that water just stays kind of consistent and stays cool. So those fish will come up, but we shouldn't have any more of that really high water that's going to keep them out and we should just get kind of consistent numbers and hopefully have a really good season. Go check out livinglifeadventures.com. She's Brianna Brewsbury. Thanks for your time this morning. Good luck. Get off that bow ramp, kid. Go get gear and water. Come yeah, on. send, what are you send doing? me some pics, We're Bri, going. once you guys We're are going. out there. Go. Gee whiz. All right. See you, Bree. Thank you so much. Thanks okay. for jumping on. Thanks, guys. All right. Bye. Coming up next, Ray Marine Picks of the Week here for the Nia Bay opener. Let's uh Let's hear it out there. If you're uh, if you're on the water out on the coast, man, we would love a text. 866-979-3776. Right back here, Ray Marine Picks of the Week. The Outdoor Line, Seattle Sports Station 710, Seattle Sports App. Welcome to the Outdoor Line Picks of the Week, presented by Ray Marine Electronics. Don't just go fishing, go hunting underwater. Ray Marine, simply superior. It's the fall throttle sales event. Save up to $2,500 on new Ray Marine gear through July 9th, including the amazing Axiom series of GPS chart plotters, chart plotters, fish finders, MFDs, dude, multi-function displays. Well, they, speaking, do, they do everything. Speaking it, of Ray Marine, here we go. Mike, okay, Mike okay. Surdick from Ray Marine uh, and his father, Larry, checking in, and we have our first Nia Bay Chinook. Nice. That's a good one, dude. That's, that's a good that's, one, that's dude. pushing 20 pounds. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely, man. Nice job, boys. Well, and you just, doggone it, it... On the opener, you, it, the opener's like a box of chocolates. <laughs> you just don't know what you're going to get. And that's a vast ocean out there. Well, and the weather's I, perfect oh, for guys is, today on the dude. coast. I mean, we, we looked at it. There's actually the, the straights are, are snotty today. But offshore, 5 to 15, wind waves 1 to 2 feet, west swell 6 feet at 10 seconds. Yeah. That's that's about as flat as, as the ocean gets out there. It's, you know, just, just absolutely beautiful weather for the for the guys on the opener. It, it's it's going to degrade a little bit. Like I said, you know, the straights are going to be a little poopy. But if you're staying at Nia Bay, which you're fishing Nia Bay, you absolutely should be, you know, no far no farther in than CQ and, you know, around the corner at La Push, whatever. But, um Dude, yeah, great conditions and, and and a bunch of fish and which which is in keeping with every single report. We've not heard anybody complaining in any particular. Well, maybe one little local fishery. It's just kind of been a little soft. Yeah, but uh, you everywhere else. I mean, look at look at Area Eleven, solid as a rock. Look at look at you know look at look at Vancouver Island, solid as a rock. Southeast Alaska, amazing. Top end of Queen Charlotte Islands, Peregrine Lodge is just freaking on fire. Right and it's now. cool to see the. You know, it's not just Chinook. You know, now in Sitka, guys are out there almost pulling. You know, the the slam. Yeah. The only thing they're not encountering right now is some sockeye. Sockeye can be really difficult, but guys are catching chum, Chinook, pinks, coho. See, I was really surprised because you were up. You're up in Sitka in May, and and when you start talking about coho in May, that's that's a rarity, right? But the fishery. In Sitka was off the freaking charts on a lot and of different fronts, so that indicates a really healthy ocean, which is wonderful. When and and Lisa Killick pinged me yesterday, of course, our, our friend from Peregrine Lodge, and she says, "Dude, they're already catching coho here." Weird. So I'm like, it's "Yeah, crazy. it is way early, yeah. way early for coho." I but, just think we that, have a very healthy ocean. We do, but here here's the thing: when you're waiting, when you're waiting for a run of fish, okay. Case in point. The Springer fishery on the on the Columbia, if they're late, they're light. Mm-hmm. Big runs show up early. Late late runs are light. Always, dude. 
always I when I I can't really recall and and there may have been but I but right off the top of my brain I don't recall a run that you could consider late that came in at or above forecast. Yeah. For sure. It just doesn't freaking happen. Dude. No, that's why it's so cool to see these like early coho and and, and the pinks. Like we, we're seeing these early pinks. Well, there's always a, a pilot run mm-hmm, for kind sure. of ahead of the big push. For sure. So, I mean, hopefully we're going to see, you know, over forecast on all these fi- all of these fishers. We we know that our, our coho run is forecast in the Puget Sound to be what, 100,000 over what we had last year and and we had really, really great coho fish. It's going to be so nice to have non-selective coho in, in, in Area Nine, like like Area Ten's enjoyed yeah. for years. We got we have a longer opportunity in Area Eight is 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 going to provide a bunch of coho. But you know, in talking to Nick Scafteron, who's going to join us right after the break, he says, "Look, dude, if this coho season lasts to the point where it's in September, he says you guys got to come out to Westport." He says, "A friend of mine last year." Just hung was wanted to catch coho on a pair of bare hooks because they they you know when when you're in a charter boat bite off a of Westport for coho they they come up and chase your sinker dude. sure and, oh, and yeah. so so he just had you know a couple of three odd hooks just shiny. dangling behind a sink shiny hooks and he, he got two on pair of hooks dude. oh my god yeah I, I mean it's just it's phenomenal they it's it's not unlike you know an albacore bite next to the boat they you can get them get going that you get them fired bingo. up and, yeah yeah bingo so that's that's going to be super interesting and that's some of the stuff that that, that we're going to see and of course we got a little later opportunity uh in cq this year too so but I, I mean that's that's a cool thing about big runs of coho and pinks to us puget sound centric anglers is they're coming they're coming here. I'm so excited to, to have your neighborhood. all those fish around for salmon for soldiers. It's going to be, yeah. it's going it, to, like the timing is perfect. And, and thanks for bringing that up. Last call, gang. This is your last call to sign up for Salmon for Soldiers. Uh, email Randy Shelton, salmonforsoldiers at gmail.com, salmonforsoldiers at gmail.com. Yeah, let's get some more captains. Come yeah, on, guys. Also, jump over to dogderby.com. That's D-A-W-G derby.com. Uh, we still need a couple charter captains to take the University of Washington football team out. Um, it's free. Not only is it free to the charter captains and you get to hang out with University of Washington football players, but you're going to get swag. You're, you know, we're going to make sure you got bait and gear for your boat. Okay, yep. Joey, you were very generous last year. And, and, and you, you brought, you get, we, we, we bring you people. in. Yes, we, we do. We bring you into the network. Yes, we do. So then you get to talk to, to myself and Nelly throughout the summer, all the fisheries we're doing. We'll keep you dude, tuned we, in and, and let you know what's going on. We made a lot of friends during during the dog derby last year. Oh, I it keep, was cool, dude. It I, was, I've it, been talking to them yeah. ever since we did it, and yeah. you know all those guys. And, and and all we are trying to do, honestly, is is get these kids on the water. And some of these kids had never caught a salmon before; they'd never even been fishing before. You know, and now they're hooked and they're and, you know and they're 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 fired up about it. So it's gonna be fun. That's gonna be a fun event. That is July fifteenth out of the Port of Everett again. Thank you to our friends at the Port of Everett for standing up and helping us out with that as they do. And both and it's interesting because this year, um, Salmon for Soldiers is going to be at Harbor Marine, um, and uh, and the Evercoho Derby is going to be at Harbor Marine. The Evercoho yeah. Derby is going to be a dude. They better buy extra fish bags. It's going to be nuts. It will be. It will be absolutely nuts. Um, also, the Harbor Marine Crab and Clinic, Tuesday, June 27th, 6 p.m., uh, sponsored by the Everett Salmon and Steelhead Club, Harbor Marine, and BOMAC, our dear friends that make the best shrimp, crab gear, and everything, and and and, and, and Bubba's float science, float ropes and line winders and everything like that. We're going to show you a bunch of crab and dirty tricks. we got no secrets, gang. Absolutely no secrets. 
And we need to do a better job as a recreational crabbing fleet of keeping on top of our gear. Okay. I, I'm at, you know, the, at the end of the season last year, I was out working on my commercial boat and I followed in a, a Department of Fish and Wildlife pot recovery yeah. project boat, right? And I think I talked to them. They'd recovered 240 pots at the end of the season uh, as it closed. And they'd go out on low tides. They start out yep. on the Everett Bar yep. and they pick all the – they get all that gear out of there, try to, and then they move their way up the west side of Camano, and then they're in Area 9. So think about that. 240 lost pots that were not weighted properly. They end up getting pushed out into deep water. They drop down. Those pots continue to fish and kill crab, and it impacts our our crab fishery for for many years. and And we just don't we don't want that. That's we're leaving a bunch of garbage out there. We got to do a better job of weighting those pots. Make sure you got plenty of line. Yeah, dude. Every- That's the other thing. I see people, or I hear the stories. They wait their they wait their pots properly. They throw them overboard, throw the buoy, and boop, there it goes. They don't have enough line on. Bingo. It's like, come on, we we got to do a better job, guys. I mean, I honestly think people go, oh, just get fifty feet of line, dude. You need to fish seventy five at a minimum. You really do. And I and I understand that that you know in the winter time, especially when the water temperatures cool down, those crab will walk right up. I mean, as kids, we used to wear aqua socks and walk out there and yeah. just step on them, grab them, yard them on in. I get it, but. It doesn't hurt to put extra line out there, especially if it's leaded line, okay? Do not use yellow poly, or if you do, you have to weight it. I mean, there's just so many things. But 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 bottom line we'll cover is all when this you, stuff we, at, we the, will. at the seminar yeah. and, and June 27th, Tuesday. Bottom line is this. A lost pot, everybody loses. You lose it because it's your pot and you paid for it and you lost it. The resource loses because, like Joey just pointed out, that that pot continues to fish. Okay, there's no winners in a lost pot. There's and, and there's and there's so no there's dinners. A, there's no, no winners whoa. and no dinners. You just you we're, that's it. That's a new T-shirt <laughs> right there. It's, yeah, yeah. It's oh. Marine does it. No winners, no dinners. <laughs> no question about it. All right, uh, we got a jam-packed hour too. Like I said, we got the Nia Bay and La Push Chinook season opening up next week. Westport and Ilwaco. Ilwaco is going to be interesting. I promise you, there's already, there's already coho schooling off Ilwaco. Oh, yeah. I just I just promise you. Nick Scafteron, fishingthehighlife.com. He's going to talk about Westport. He's actually he's going back door on hold drill, dude. I, I mean, so I will say that Nia Bay is probably maybe a little easier to figure out on the opener. Westport. You don't have that big structure, dude. You got a soft shelf dropping off. So to let the fleet go out and find the fish, he's he's going back door because of the lingcod and halibut fishing has halibut fishing in particular is really bricked up in Westport. So think about hooking up, heading out to Westport and doing that. Uh, Bob's heating and air conditioning, Northwest Outdoor Port, and then Mark Boardman. Hey, hunters, you know, you got 90 days, okay, to, to figure your stuff out. And we tend to get fish, 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 fish. You know what? You got to figure out your kit. You got to figure out your rifle. You got to do some fitness stuff to get ready for it. Listen, and- hunting hunting will season will creep up on you guys. We're we're all so focused on our fishing, you kind of forget that August yes is our bear our fall fall bear season Bingo. right, and then right after that you got high buck in September. I mean, boom, we're full on into hunting season. And if you're not at least doing a little bit of fitness, keep yourself in shape. And then, like Nelly said, hey. 
dust off the rifle and get out to the range, do some shooting, make sure make sure you're ready when August rolls around. I promise you this is the first May and June that that I've started breaking in, that I've been working in my hunting boots. Yeah. That, that set of crispies, crispies I got up there, those new crispy boots from Skagit Arms, excuse me, well, from, from Holiday Sports and Kevin John. Though, that's an amazing, dude, they're so comfortable. It's also a great time of the year to go Go gather up all your new hunting stuff. You need a new pair of boots. Do it now. Yeah. Don't wait till hunting season. And and they're loaded up up there with crispy gear at, at Holiday Sports. Mark Boardman joining us for the Wellcraft Wheelhouse. He's going to talk to us about three things you need for preseason prep to get ready for that. So stay tuned. Back here in uh, just a couple minutes right here in the Outdoor Line. Seattle Sports Station 710, Seattle Sports App.